All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm your host, Rick Solom, for the Wednesday hour. Uh, today, we've got a special guest on, the founder of BlueGeneNation. No, I don't know if it's Mike. I don't know. Is it .com or .org? Dot <laughs> com. Dot com. Mike McCabe. Yeah, Blue Gene Nation is, is good enough. Blue Gene Nation. All right. Mike McCabe, uh, one of like 16 Democrats to uh, run for governor, right? It was about 16 at, at one point. Oh, I think there was as many as 17 or 18 announced candidates at one point, and uh, 10, 10 ended up qualifying for the ballot, and eight ended up campaigning right to the finish line. Um, you know, I gave you this list. I I, I think, uh, oh, in 608-785-7914, if you, if you want to get in here and, and talk with Mike about some, you know, whatever whatever really you feel like Wisconsin issues are, uh, I think he'd be an expert at answering them better than me. Um, and, Mike, I'm just going to run through this list just so people can laugh at, at what, what some of these things, and then we're going to – and then we'll break for news quick. But uh, I, I feel like uh, if you're going on the campaign trail, maybe this would have helped you uh, beat beat Tony Evers. You know, if you would have had – you, maybe you do if you have a pet. Maybe you should have brought your dog along on the campaign trail. Do you think that would have helped you at all? Hey, we actually had some people make a campaign video with, with their dog. And, uh, you know, it was just a, a YouTube video that they made with with a – with a cute little scruffy dog named Bob and, uh, and, uh, you know, cracked me up. But, you know, the danger is if you take your dog on the trail, then are you going to offend the cat people? And if you take a cat, are you going to make the dog people upset? So, and I, it, <laughs> and I just read a story that the university of Minnesota is like banning dogs from campus. So like, I mean, that happens all. And then the airport thing, when people are bringing their, uh, their, right. their pets on planes. But also, Warren Buffett is offering any of his employees a million dollars a year for the rest of their life. So every year they get a million dollars if they can predict the Sweet 16 correctly. So maybe if you guys can apply tonight uh, just to work part-time for Warren Buffett and then, you know, fill out a bracket. Do you got the Badgers going anywhere, Mike? Oh, I'm, I'm fingers crossed. Hey, I, and I, I, uh, I, would love to see him make a deep run. And, uh, you know, they struggled a little bit there at the end of the season, but, but now they're out of the Big Ten, and they're no longer going to be playing people who have been scouting them for the whole year, and, and, and they, you know, they get kind of a clean slate. So uh, I'm hopeful. Yeah, definitely. Um, other things I had on this list, uh, do we need our state government working to define milk? Um, Foxconn, in, in, in regards to the situation where the Kohler Golf Course wanted to build on wetlands, and I feel like Foxconn got some, some rule changes there. Uh, Ron Johnson, I believe, isn't going to be running in 2020, so is his seat up for grabs? Uh, how is Evers doing so far? The status of our democracy and how we can truly, truly return to the, the power to the people. That's That, that one's kind of deep. I don't know if we can fill that one in a whole hour. Uh, the legal status of redistricting and those lame duck lawsuits. Why don't more people vote, and how do we get them excited about it? And and this one, I'm from. I live in Minnesota right now, so this one is unique to me. And we won't. We probably won't get to this one, but I just want to get your thoughts real quick. Minnesota is the only state in the nation that has a split Congress. Right, the Senate is Republican, the House is Democrats. How uh, do you see any like advantages for for Minnesota? Because nobody else has that. Oh, we, we've had we've had divided government at times in Wisconsin, where one house is held by one party and the other is held uh, controlled by the other party, and and uh, you know, and, and sometimes it ends up forcing compromise. You know, and when you have one party rule, uh, you know, often that party just sort of gets arrogant and 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 ignores what the other side's saying altogether and just tries to force its agenda down everybody's throats so sometimes you know that balance of power can be really useful 
Yeah, I don't know. And Minnesota's a part-time Congress. I think they're even trying to wrap up uh, their their session or whatever. So, I, you know, I don't. And they're and they were fighting today about stuff. So I don't know if anything comes of it. Maybe it's maybe it's better. Maybe it's worse. Um, and then a couple of things you mentioned. Uh, you know, the condition of our American democracy, uh, the cause and effect of the growing social division and political polarization, uh, yeah. polit- political corruption, and especially the influence of money in politics. So I, th- I think maybe that's the way we could go in money in politics. And lastly, the inadequacy of the two major parties and the growing number of people who've become politically homeless and how these problems affect everyone. Um, but yeah, so Mike, you think we can get through all those tonight? <laughs> Lots to talk about. All right. Uh, so we can't get, just get stuck on Warren Buffett's offer. No, and, and we might, and we might. <laughs> um, all right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back uh, right after this on Lacrosse Talk PM. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm your host, Rick Solom. Joining me today, the founder of BlueGeneNation.com or Blue Jean Nation, Mike McCabe. If you want to read about, you know, the, the state of our uh, state, you could go to Blue Jean Nation. I think maybe the state of our country a little bit, too. Is that right, Mike? Absolutely. And if you got questions for Mike or me, I don't know why you would ask me anything, but 608-785-7914. Um, okay, so we, we, hit a, we hit on this a little bit before, but tomorrow and Friday, I believe, will be the America's least per, two productive work days. Because the NCAA tournament happens all day, and all people are going to be doing is checking their bracket and you know just just watching basketball all day. Um, and Warren Buffett has made you know whoever works for Warren Buffett. I don't know; it's probably millions of people, maybe not millions, but whoever works for Warren Buffett, he set up this situation where all the last week has probably been the wor- the least productive days for all his workers because he is offering any of his employees a million dollars a year for the rest of their life if they predict not the NCAA bracket tournament correctly, but just the Sweet 16. All they got to do is get up to the Sweet 16. Um, how many brackets do you fill out, Mike? You know, I love college basketball, and, and I love watching the tournament, but I don't do brackets because it, it uh, because then I'm constantly looking at brackets, and, and I just love watching the games. And I, so I, I'm actually one of those rare people who doesn't fill out a single bracket. But, but i got to believe that Warren Buffett's money is pretty safe because there are always upsets. It is devilishly difficult to pick even the Sweet 16. But, hey, if somebody does it in his company, I still don't think it hurts Warren Buffett much because that guy has got so many billions of dollars to his name that he'll barely miss a million dollars a year. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and the thing is, if the stock market has a good day, he makes more than a million dollars in a day. Yeah, and that's kind of the, like where I'm trying to head this conversation is we have we have a few people like that in the world where money doesn't matter to them and they, they can do whatever they want with it. Uh, we've referenced, uh, you know, the movie In Time at at one point. I don't know if you've ever seen that Justin Timberlake movie where where people they have to work for time and they they wear time on their wristbands essentially. <laughs> and when the time runs out, they die. So they go to work to, for literal time, and instead of having money, you spend money on time. And then there's guys like Warren Buffett that that, that have basically an infinite amount of time and they never die. Um, but like, can we get at the? That's the root of the problem uh, with maybe. Politics, the world. How, how do you want to define that? The 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 where where the wealth is distributed. Well, you know, we're becoming more and more economically unequal 
in America with each passing year. Uh, we're, we've watched economic inequality explode, and, and Wisconsin's seen it too. I mean, we've seen economic inequality really uh, explode here in Wisconsin, and, and we we're watching our middle class shrink so far in the 21st century, it's been shrinking faster in Wisconsin than, than anywhere else in the country. And as we become more economically unequal, that makes us more politically unequal because the, the super wealthy are able to use their money to, to buy elections and, and basically buy the, the government that they want. And then that political inequality creates even more economic inequality because those politicians who are put in, in office then act on behalf of their wealthy donors and they enact even more policies that benefit the wealthiest in our society. So those two, those two forms of inequality feed off each other. Uh, political inequality and economic inequality uh, feed off each other, and that's the cycle we're in in America. We've got a government that is, is working overtime to benefit the richest in our society, and then, and then they become even wealthier and even more able to skew the, our politics in their favor. That, that's a vicious cycle, and for working-class people and for people who are falling out of the middle class, and like I said, so far in the 21st century, no state in America has seen its middle class shrink more than Wisconsin. And, and you know, people are being savaged. And when you think about how much time, how many years, a typical working person has to work to earn a million dollars, you know, there are an awful lot of people who will work a lifetime and they'll never, they'll never earn a million dollars. And, and yet a good day on Wall Street and somebody like Warren Buffett can make several million dollars just one day. And, and that, that's an issue that we've got to come to terms with in our country is, is the marriage of political and economic inequality. Yeah. And, you know, all Warren Buffett's workers really filling out brackets. I mean, I wonder if they get more than one bracket to fill out to win this thing. Um, we've got a call here, Mike. It's uh, one of our regular callers, Eric from Sparta, if you could, if you want to listen in here quick. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, there is this uh, Joe Biden and John Kerry and another investor. Both of their, all the sons of these two people, Kerry and uh, Biden, uh, were then a trip to uh, China and their sons got a massive billion-dollar contract from the Chinese, but that's untouchable by the federal laws about uh, collusion and stuff like that. But uh, they, now you can claim that uh, the Democrats aren't getting rich off this uh, stuff that's uh, part of the government. They're untouchable, so they cannot be prosecuted or questioned or anything. Thanks, Mike. What do you think about that? All right. Thanks, Eric. All right. You got anything on that, Mike? I have no idea. Well, I, you know, I spent 15 years running a group called the Wisconsin Democracy Campaign. That was years before I ever started Blue Jean Nation. And, and we specialized on tracking the money in, in state politics in Wisconsin in, in election campaigns. And, and, you know, we, we tracked tens of millions of dollars that flowed into candidates for office. And then we tracked the favors that are done on, on behalf of those donors. And, and, you know, one of the studies that we did actually showed a 33,000% return on investment on average, 33,000% return on investment for every dollar that, that, uh, that these big donors would put in, they would, they would 
on average get a 33,000% uh, return on that, on that investment in the system. And, and you know, that, that is bigger than the, than, than the parties. It, it is a system problem. It, it's something about how our system is working. And when you look at where all the money comes from that finances elections, all the tens of millions of dollars that go to all this election advertising, the, most of it, uh, the vast majority of it is coming from a tiny fraction of 1% of the population. Uh, you know, one quarter of 1% of the American population is supplying two-thirds of all the political money. And then they get government working on their behalf. It, it's, it's bigger than party. It is, it is, it's something that's contaminated our political system. And we've got to do something about that. Um, so, you know, you can point your fingers at Republicans, you can point your fingers at Democrats, uh, depending on who, who you favor, but there is a problem with the system when, when your ordinary working class person, regardless of what their political stripes are, when, you're, when your regular common person just doesn't have a voice in our government, and our government is constantly catering to a privileged few who are able to supply all this money that that is something that that can make democracy die this these are the conditions that make democracies die and we gotta we gotta face that and and face it courageously yeah, I always find it funny when when I see something in the news that I don't agree with what our government's doing, you know, whether it's like Foxconn rolling back wetland, you know, DNR wetland rules or, you know, even court rules, just it's something like that. And it's like, well, if you don't agree with it, you need to call your senator or congressman. And, and, and it's just like, OK, well, th- I mean, what else can I do besides I can vote and I can be one call that it doesn't get answered and it goes to a voicemail or, or maybe it gets answered and you just say, I'm, I live here and I don't agree. Um, it just seems like that's that's kind of petty, right? I mean, does that stuff even I mean, does it even work? Well, you know, people have got to be willing to, you know, to get in elected representatives' faces. Uh, yeah, they need to make those phone calls. Yes, they got to write the letters, but but they've also got to uh, go out to town hall meetings or or events and and confront them directly. Uh, but you know, we've got. I think you've got to you've got to attack this on multiple fronts. You know, if if you think that just a single email to an elected representative is going to make a difference. Well, you know, I think the sad truth is that is that the voice of the average citizen uh, it doesn't count for much right now in in our political system. The the voice of the average citizen is is easily ignored, and the elected representatives are catering to those who put all this money on the table to to get those people elected to office in the first place. So I think we've got to strike at that root. And you know, there, you know, when you when you think about all the problems we've got in our society, all the all the problems plaguing Wisconsin and America. You know, for all, if you think of those as branches of a tree, well, you know, for all of the thousand branches that 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 we can try to hack away at, I think we've got to try to we got to strike at the root, uh, and and the the root here is a is a system that that is is rigged in favor of a privileged few, a, a wealthy and well connected and privileged few, and that's. 
uh, leaving your average citizen with with next to to no voice, and that that's the thing that we have to focus on. In my view, is is striking at that root. That is the root of corruption, and that's and th- and that ends up producing that vicious cycle I talked about, where where there's more and more political inequality, which gets us more and more economic inequality, and that greater economic inequality then turns into even more political inequality. I mean, we're 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 in a vicious cycle that we. That we got to recognize and then try to break free from. Um, does all this does all this spin around the? Is is it the constitutional amendment that we need to get big money out? What is it? Citizens take action to to get big, essentially get money out of out of politics, right? I mean, there's this is going around locally, right? Like district to district, where yep. we're trying to amend the constitution, and it's such a. I mean, it won't. It probably won't happen for maybe a decade or more. Um, is there any way to like make that? you know, speed up that, that situation. Uh, more and more communities have got to jump in and, and, and uh, more and more states have got to go on record. It, I think it really has to be pushed from the local and state level. So often um, people focus on, on Washington, D.C., and they think that the change has to come from Washington. But the big change that happens in our society over the course of American history that those changes almost always started at a more grassroots level. It, it started on a community level. Uh, it's change that started in the states, and then eventually, those in office in Washington took notice of what was going on in the in in local communities and in the states, and then that became federal law. And and so this has just got to be something that's done community by community, state by state across the country. And yeah, we we need a twenty eighth amendment to the constitution that says money is not speech you, you know that when you make money if, if you equate money with speech as our united states supreme court has what that effectively does is it takes the r out of free speech and it it turns it into a commodity that has to be purchased at great expense and what it means is that those who are the the wealthiest who have the most money get to do all the talking in society their voices are heard everybody else's voices are 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 totally ignored and the um, the US constitution's been amended 27 times before so anybody who says it can't be done it's been done 27 times and and it should be done a 28th time to to give ordinary people uh, a a fair shot at having their voices heard and giving us back a a healthy vibrant democracy yeah, and we did this in lacrosse. Uh, it, it passed by eighty-eight percent to yep. essentially get big money out of politics. Uh, Sixty-two thousand nine hundred or six thousand two hundred ninety-one people voted for it, and eight hundred sixty against it. So, um, you know, like I don't, I don't know where where it goes after that. Uh, you you know, know, the amazing thing is that is that when those votes have been held in communities, and it's been held in hundreds of communities. Uh, some of them are Republican strongholds where Republicans get elected to office, and some of them are in Democratic strongholds, and some of them are are in communities that are really split politically and and could go either way, Democrat or Republican, depending on the office. And yet the votes are typically 75, 80, 85, 90 percent approval. You know, so this is this is something that whether those voters are Republican voters or Democratic voters, or if they're independents who, who have a tendency to split tickets and, and go either way, depending on the, the candidate, what, what they agree on is, is, doggone it, regular people's voices are being stolen, and 
those who are well-connected and privileged in our society get to do all the talking and they get to dictate what our government does, that's got to change. And it's, it's that kind of groundswell of support that has to continue to grow into a movement that eventually uh, will send a message all the way to Washington, D.C. and get the attention of those elected officials who, who are so bought into this money game. And, and uh, you know, change can be frustratingly slow, especially when, when it's powerless people trying to get that change to happen. And, and it's not just the wealthy and powerful at the top. Uh, when when it's people who are who are trying to assert themselves and 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 uh, and and protect their rights and and get and get a voice for themselves, that is difficult work. It takes a long time, but there's strength in numbers. And and so when when a community like La Crosse does it, but they join are joined by you know republican strongholds like waukesha which voted two-thirds of the people there voted to amend the constitution to to deal with mo- the scourge of money in politics and and when when there are enough communities and enough states doing this uh, eventually the will of the people can prevail but it, this is going to be a, a tough long fight we have got conditions right now in america that are the kinds of conditions where where democracies die and i think it's important to remember that that uh, you know the default option among human beings has tended to be dictatorship and 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 monarchy and well and, that's that's where we're going oligarchy. Mike by the time democracy's we amend... been the exception to the rule and 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 it can vanish on us if we don't protect that that exception but it also can be the antidote to 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 the to those horrible forms of government that we've seen in the world uh, for so many generations. I feel like by the time we try to amend this constitution, Mike, we'll just be in a dictatorship. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, this is, this is a moment, a really dangerous moment for our country. And it, and it's, um, it, it, democracy is at greater risk today than at any time in my lifetime. I'm 58 years old. This is a country that's been through a civil war. It's been through more than one depression. It's been t- through two world wars. Uh, there have been times when people have been e- at each other's throats, and there's been horrible division in our society, even to the point of civil war. And, and the republic endured. And I think the Republican can endure again, but this is easily, in my lifetime, the most dangerous moment we've ever faced. And and so people have got to people have got to get serious about protecting uh, the Republic, or or it it can easily go away. Uh, it, again, like I said, around the world, across the course of human history, democracies have been the exception, not the rule. We're talking to Mike McCabe, founder of Blue Jean Nation. Uh, we're going to hit Scott's comment in news, and we'll come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm your host, Rick Solom. Better hearing talk and text line, 608-785-7914. I'm on the phone with uh, Blue Jean Nation founder Mike McCabe and a guy that ran for governor, uh, one of 18. I guess it was 18 people at one point that, that were running for governor. Um, and we're talking, I guess we're talking big money Big money in politics, Mike. Um, I've got a couple of texts here for you if, if you want to just listen in. Uh, this guy, we call him Libertarian Guy, so you could imagine um, where his views are. He said he's impressed with your words, except you don't seem to recognize the answer is the Libertarian Party. Well, we've got a very strong two-party system in America. And, and uh, you know, and so I would love to see uh, multiple parties flourish, 
But we don't have a parliamentary democracy like a lot of the European countries do. We don't have a system where a, a second and a third or a fourth party can join forces and actually form a ruling coalition. We don't have any kind of ranked choice voting uh, or fusion voting or any of those kinds of ways of, of empowering third parties. So it's a tough, it, that's a really tough road for for you know anything other than the two major parties to to gain traction in America, I I haven't been a member of a party over the course of my life. I, I I've been say. an independent, and I I did run in the Democratic primary, but have not been a a member of any any political party. I would love to see us develop a system in America where where more parties could flourish, but we've got a system that really and pretty rigidly enforces a two-party arrangement and and it's a very tough nut to crack to to get outside of that. Uh, I'd love to see it, but it's a really difficult road. Didn't you contemplate at one point um running as a independent? Of course, because yeah. that's what I've been my whole life. But, but looking at it, you know, I, what you end up doing if you run as an independent is you end up being a spoiler, and 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 you 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 know you're seen as a wasted vote, and and that and and you'll just take votes away from you know somebody that voters if they like you a lot, but you end up taking votes away from somebody that they like a little and you you see somebody that they really dislike get elected and then they and then you get blamed for it and so it, it it's just so difficult in our system in the american system to successfully run as an independent or third party candidate and so so many of us out there who really feel politically homeless. They, there's so many people who don't feel that the Democrats or the Republicans are really um, really serving the will of the people and are, are really doing what's right for our country. Uh, so many people are pining for an alternative, but but our system is set up to to really discourage those alternatives from from flourishing, and that that's part of what we have to struggle with as well. But uh, you know, I, I have been a lifelong independent. That that's uh, that's fundamentally who I am. All right, we get we're going to take uh, we got a couple of calls here six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. I believe Carl is on. Carl, go ahead. Yeah, it's interesting that you call yourself an independent, but when you were running, you were a Democrat. Um, that sounds like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth, but, um, the, 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 the whole thing about, you know, you can throw whatever money you want at different campaigns, um, you know, and it's been proven before where money doesn't win campaigns. And we do have the best democracy that the world can, uh, has got in this system, as long as we strive for freedom. But what your host is talking about is not freedom. He's trying to control, um, you know, the information stream. And that's communism. He, he should have ran as a communist because I, I, I consider him more on that side of the, you know. But I don't think we've, we've got an active communist party in the United States or in Wisconsin yet. Um, I would encourage your guest to, to go more that way um, right. and let his true, you know, values come out um, all right thanks carl um mike are you a communist no i can't <laughs> I, I don't think that anybody could look at what i stand for and and uh and reach the conclusion that any of those ideas are communist uh, i look we we in this state we used to have a system where somebody 
somebody ran for United States Senate, ran statewide, and got elected to be the Wisconsin's representative in the United States Senate for 30 years without ever once spending $300 on one of his statewide campaigns for office. And in his last election, which he won in a landslide, by the way, Bill Proxmire spent $145.10 on his entire statewide campaign. It was possible for somebody to run uh, on on that kind of a shoestring and get elected in Wisconsin. And, and this last election for governor, you know how much money got spent? Total ninety three million dollars. That is a in 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 a in my lifetime. That is a massive massive change in the way the system works. From a point where somebody could run for a couple hundred bucks and get elected and and get elected for thirty years to the to serve this state uh, out in Washington in the United States Senate to the point where we've got ninety three million dollar elections. Well, those those aren't really elections anymore. They're auctions. And the, the, the simple truth of the matter is, is that when you look at where that $93 million comes from, it comes from a tiny fraction of 1% of the population, supplies all of that money. Now, who will government be likely to serve? Who, who are they going to listen to? Who are they going to be sensitive to? Uh, whose wishes are they going to grant? Are they going to grant the people who supplied the $93 million, or are they going to listen to everybody else, the, the, well over 99% of the population that doesn't have the kind of money to throw around in those election campaigns? That's um, a big change that we've seen in our state in our lifetime, and it has massive implications for the way government works or doesn't work for us. As we inch toward, I mean, and we're, and we're really just inching towards trying to get that you know, the big money out of politics. Um, there are other steps we can take, right? Like right now we're, we're really, we're, we're fighting a couple of things in Wisconsin, right? Like we're fighting, a, a, you know, redistricting is coming up um, mm-hmm. and we're, and we're fighting over that. And then um, there's like, even like the, 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 the government itself is fighting with each other in, in the lame duck lawsuits. Um, do you want to hit on either of those? Like how important is it that, you know, while we're trying to get big money out of politics that we, you know, get the, you know, maybe the government out of drawing our districting lines? Somehow? Yeah, I, for decades I've been an advocate of of an independent, nonpartisan approach to to redistricting. The way the the district boundaries are drawn, the way the way all these 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 political boundaries are drawn is you've basically got people who are in office deciding which voters should be in their district. And in a democracy Voters should choose their elected representatives, not the other way around. And we've literally got a system where it's the other way around, where those who who stand to win the election are able to choose which voters are in their district and which ones are are drawn out of the district. And and so you've got a situation where one party, for the past several elections, we've we've had one party win the most votes across the state, and the other party gets the most seats in the state Senate and state assembly and in Congress. That That's not the way it's supposed to work in a democracy. The will of the people is supposed to be reflected in the representation. And if and if people, you know, if people prefer Republicans at a given moment, then it should be Republicans who have control of of the Assembly and Senate and 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 uh, in the two houses in Congress. And if people then just 
that they'd rather give the Democrats a try than Democrats should be the ones in those seats. But we've now got a system where the party in power is able to design districts that that allow them to win elections even when they don't win the most votes statewide. They still end up holding the most seats. And and that, that's a problem that that thwarts the will of the people and, and, again, leaves people with less of a voice than they deserve to have. And so I, for decades I've said we should we should do it the way Iowa does it. They just have an, an independent, nonpartisan agency draw the lines. They've, they've taken it out of the hands of the politicians. They don't let the politicians draw their own election district uh, boundaries. And, and, and then those people have to go out there and compete in those districts that have been drawn fairly. And, and if, they, if they have an appealing message, they get elected. And if people decide that, that they want a, somebody else to represent them, they, they, they get thrown out of office. And that's the way it ought to be. Uh, we ought to have a system that's responsive to the voters. And, and uh, Wisconsin has gone down a very dangerous path in that regard. Anytime I've argued that, that that's how it should be, it should be nonpartisan, get politics out of drawing the district lines, um, when I've argued that, people always say that that's impossible. We have to do it the way we're doing it. We we do it fair. Um, it's impossible to be nonpartisan, so we we shouldn't try it. <laughs> Which well, is just of laughable. Of course, it's to me. not impossible because you don't have to look very far away just to the state of Iowa, and they they changed their system decades ago, and and uh, and you know if you look at at Iowa congressional districts, they have. More than one of their congressional districts are among the 50 most politically competitive districts in all the country. Wisconsin has no congressional districts that are among the 50 most competitive in America. Uh, you, you know, so Iowa's got districts that can go either way. A Democrat can get elected, a Republican can get elected. And in Wisconsin, it's basically a foregone conclusion which party is going to control uh, uh, those seats. It's it, just because of the way the district boundaries are drawn. So, of course, it's possible to yeah. do it in a different way because uh, a neighboring state does it in a different way, and the result has been much, much more competitive uh, elections, much more competitive uh, districts across the the state of Iowa. Now, there are other states that that have put in in place independent uh, redistricting commissions. There there are lots of different ways that states have tried to do it, and and you know so the Iowa model is not the only model to to look at, but it's a darn good one, and it's a neighboring state that does it in a very different way than Wisconsin, well, and the results have been have been extremely positive. And well, you can't argue. So why can't Iowa. we just do it like Iowa does it? And you can't argue that Iowa isn't working one way, Republican or Democrat, right? Because they have. Have a, a, Demo- a Republican governor, and I think they have one of the most controversial people in office, and Steve King, right? And he's a Republican, and yep. so you know when people in Wisconsin that have you know we're kind of Republican leaning right now in uh, what the Senate, um, you, you you can't argue that Iowa isn't working there. Well, you know, and, and anybody who looks at this through simply a partisan lens and, and hey, you know, we got to keep this crooked system because the party I happen to favor has been able to use these rules to its favor and, and has itself in power, so you got to hold on. you got to realize pendulums swing, and, and both parties know how to engage in this gerrymandering. And you look at Illinois, uh, the state of Illinois has been gerrymandered in favor of the Democrats, the state of Wisconsin was gerrymandered in favor of the Republicans. And, you know, and 
it's wrong in both cases. You know, it's, it's wrong for Democrats to have drawn the lines to make it impossible for Republicans to compete in the state of Illinois, and it's wrong for Republicans to have drawn the lines to, to make sure that they basically have a guaranteed control over our legislature in Wisconsin. It's, it's wrong with, when either party does it. And, you know, and I was up there at the Capitol when the Democrats were in charge of both houses of the legislature and, and controlled the governor's office in 2009 and 2010, begging Democrats to, to uh, embrace the Iowa model and, and reform our redistricting system. And, and Democrats were, were totally in charge of the legislature and the governor's office at that time, and they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't change the system because they thought they could, they could gerrymander the state in their favor after the 2010 census. And, of course, Republicans took, took over, and, and then they did it. Right. And in Illinois, as I said, they did, the opposite party was in control, and, and they did it there, too. Iowa is doing it in a way that's actually good for the voters, the way it's being done in Illinois is good for the Democrats. The way it's being done in Wisconsin is good for the Republicans. The way it's being done in Iowa is good for the voters and gives the voters the power to decide which party should be in control at any given time. That And that's the way it ought to be. All right. Um, Mike, we're ran, we ran out of time. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, if you want to read what Mike is, is uh, you know, blogging about, go to bluegenenation.com. Hey, Mike, thanks a lot for, for visiting with me. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks. And that's going to do it for uh, Lacrosse Talk PM today. Uh, tune in tomorrow when, who's going to be in tomorrow? Ken Cooper and me. I'm going to be in tomorrow too. So tune in tomorrow. Thanks.